Yo me llamo Andrés. Y yo soy Josephine. Welcome to the Remoter Podcast. Follow us in season one of this journey as we cover anything and everything you need to know in order to successfully build and scale a remote first team. Someone who's been working remotely for over a decade, our CEO Alexander Torneira, shares his personal experiences, lessons learned, and advice for those of you who are curious and interested in exploring the future of work. This podcast is brought to you by Tori, the end-to-end recruitment solution for remoters. Get our free AI-powered sourcing and processing tools or let Tori recruit on your behalf at tori.co. That's T-O-R-R-E dot C-O. On this episode, we go into Shark Tank, Colombia. Shark Tank, Colombia? Yeah. So do, do you know about Shark Tank? Yeah, you do. Yeah, no. We have... um. Dragon's Den here in Canada. That's the Dragon's Den. Yep, that's what oh, it's that's called. where it came from. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Oh. Or I think like the actual origins was like it came from somewhere in Japan. It came from somewhere way before that we have never like watched the show or this version, and then a North American company adapted it or something for Canada. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Well, in in, in Shark Tank Colombia, Alex is actually an investor, one of the ones that sits and judges. Something he likes to do. Anyways, um, <laughs> see, he, see, he actually invested in a company um, that blends remote work with physical deliveries. We'll hear more about that on this podcast. So, Alex, you talk so much about how good remote first companies are. Are there times, however, when it just doesn't work? Definitely. There are many times when it doesn't work. Okay. Um, there are many, many jobs out there where you need some kind of physical interaction for the job to be delivered, whether physical interaction with your users, your customers, your clients, or sometimes physical interaction between the members of the team. Okay. Hardware companies, for example, when the team that is actually developing the hardware, it's very common and potentially required for them to be working out of the same office space. With that in mind, sometimes the software for that hardware, the teams are in other offices. And uh, that means that maybe the members of those teams can be can be remote. In fact, the rest of the company could be remote, while maybe the hardware team has to be in-house. And of course, obviously, if, for example, you are setting a restaurant, unless you have a fully automated restaurant, which there are some really cool ones in Japan, one of my favorite <laughs> ones, and my <laughs> daughter's favorite <laughs> restaurant in Japan is a, is a robotized sushi place. Right. But unless you have something like that, chances are that you cannot go remote. But the robots do help, huh? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, there is a company I actually invested on in uh, the first season of Shark Tank Colombia. I'm one of the investors in, in Shark Tank Colombia. It's a company called Kiwi Campus. Now, if you live in Berkeley here in California or you have passed by, you may have seen what they do. They have little robots that deliver food. So you can open the app, you request food, and what they do is they actually send this tiny robot on the sidewalk to the store. The store people, they put the food inside of the robot and then the robot drives around several blocks until it reaches your place. You you get a notification, you click on the app, and then the robot opens a compartment and then you get your food out. Wow. Really, really cool stuff. The robots are, are, are really nice and getting nicer by, by the day. But of course, you might think, well, those robots, how do they drive around? Right, and, uh, yeah. Well, you need AI, machine learning, computer vision. I mean, it's not very different from what other companies are trying to do to create uh, self-driving cars. But they are hacking their way into, <laughs> and 
but we have to check whether we can share this. I don't know if this is something public, <laughs> but yeah. they're hacking their way into doing this by having remote drivers as backups. Oh, so, wow. So what happens is most of the driving in the sidewalks is performed by artificial intelligence. You can determine what's around you and then you make the decision whether you can continue driving. But there are some times when it becomes really difficult to know what you have to do as the robot. For example, a person picks the robot and runs away with it or a person <laughs> kicks the robot or maybe yeah. the robot wants to cross a street and there is a traffic jam and there are yeah. cars in the crosswalk or something like that. Sure. So what that happens when the robot gets stuck, it opens up a communication channel with a person somewhere in Latin America that has something like an Xbox controller okay. that starts driving the thing, making the decision in terms of where the robot should go, places the robot on a safe place, and then releases control back to the to the robot. So what that means is that here in the US, there are people in Colombia delivering food. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and that actually helps a lot. That has, uh, helped them, that has helped them drive down the cost of deliveries by 75% in the Berkeley area. So it's definitely a competitive advantage for them. Wow. It sounds like the, the Mars mission almost with a remote rover. <laughs> Same technology, I guess. I think it's more fun uh, for <laughs> the drivers. I mean, because for Mars, you have to really prepare ahead of time where right. the robot is going to go. And there is a latency of 20 minutes or so for the communication to get there and come back. While in here, the drivers get a latency of less than a second. Okay. Uh, so they really get to explore the unknown areas of Berkeley with the robots, I guess. Well, it's fun. The uh, Kiwi Campus people actually have gotten pretty famous in Berkeley. I uh, happen to know that whenever they go to parties, they're, you know, that thing. Uh, Felipe and their team, uh, they're actually Colombians as well, some of them. And something that I find interesting about the, the concept of mixing field operations with remote work is that it will enable not only the costs to be driven down significantly, but for a better integration between machines and humans. Because now you don't need to deploy a task force of humans to help robots accomplish tasks, but rather you can have a remote you know, team, whatever they are, in their homes or whatever they are, helping robots accomplish their tasks. So how do you feel about the future of that, You know, about the future of integrating robots with remote workers? Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I do believe that the future of humankind, we are going to be integrated with computers or computers are going to be integrated with us. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to differentiate who's integrating with whom uh, <laughs> at some stage. And uh, when it comes to machine learning, to artificial intelligence, that most people are initially training those algorithms. Most of the collaboration that is happening, it's uh, people teaching AI and machine learning what decisions they should be making. Okay. which means they are training the people that are going to be replacing them. They're training the machines that will be replacing them. Exactly. The okay. People are training the machines that are going to be replacing them. So most of those drivers eventually might not be required because the robots are going to have seen so many instances of what the drivers do that they learn and eventually they can do it themselves okay. in most instances. Well, in many instances, at least. However, I do believe in the power of human augmentation with technology. I don't know if it's going to be robots, I think that most human augmentation is going to happen primarily just by technology uh, implanted in, in your body, in your brain, somehow. Okay. But people 
like the robots. I mean, they're not afraid of them. It's not like the robots will kill us all. Or people in Berkeley love Kiwi. Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, they 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 they, they love them. Uh, Halloween, like one of the most popular costumes in Berkeley, is the Kiwi robot. People dress as Kiwi robots. So actually, there was a fire in uh, one of those robots got fire, and uh, because of a battery issue, and uh, many Berkeley students held a vigil. Uh, oh wow! In yeah. honor of the robot, in honor of the robot, <laughs> of, the, of the Kiwi robot, light candles and march in the street. Oh, our robot has died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not kidding. Like, there's pictures of that. Yeah, it's quite an event. Yeah, it went in national. I mean, you see the national news, and and it, they picked up the the news about the robot getting on fire and people crying because of it. <laughs> What a way to go! We might be going a little bit philosophical here, but I'd like to I'd like to hear your thoughts on what's going to happen. So. We talk a lot about, you know, robots replacing humans and AI replacing a lot of human brain power and, and, and work. How do you see remote work being involved in that transition in which AI and machines and robots are going to replace many of the jobs we have nowadays? Remote work within that context. So general work has two components. You have algorithmic work and that is you do something that follows a set of rules and you have heuristic work. And that is, you have to come up with new things that have not been created uh, before. And in general, it's easier for robots and for machine learning and for AI to automate rules-based work. So that's why we are th driving. It's a rules-based. It's difficult, but it's a rules-based challenge. Or serving serving food in a restaurant is also usually a rules-based work. So a lot of that work, I believe, is going to end up being heavily automated. It happens that most of that work is also location-specific, meaning you have physical interaction with uh, a machine or with people or with goods or with products. And that means that most of the work that we as humans we are going to be doing in the future is going to be likely uh, heuristic more than algorithmic. Okay. And heuristic work, most of it, not necessarily all of it, but it can be delivered in a digital way, which means that it's remote friendly. So my feeling is that a few decades down the line, while still most jobs are going to be location-based, most of the value of work, you can measure this probably based on payroll, but most of the value of payroll is going to be paid globally for, to remote workers. Because even though they might be less, their salaries are going to be significantly higher than location-based algorithmic work. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, back in the Midwest, we had great factories that developed post-war era. To a large extent, they were training humans to be more machine-like, you know, on the assembly line. And so now we're saying, no, 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 let's let's have robots do that. And the humans can be, what, anywhere, I guess, then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in many many factories, the monitoring of the factory doesn't even happen in the factory. It happens right. outside of the factory via webcams and such. And for you know, big manufacturing companies, they're global. Everything's being made all around the world at the same time. So they, they have to be you know, remote <laughs> at some point. Yeah. I mean, as companies grow, they and these are having multiple offices and people working from multiple locations and people collaborating from different parts of the world. They tend to develop a culture that is remote anyway. Right. And, and that's a painful transition for, for many companies. I think that companies that are remote, they have that advantage from the get-go because they have a culture that is likely going to scale easier for whenever they become a hundred-person company, a hundred-people company, a thousand-people company, ten thousand. 
than a company that goes from office base to scaling to multiple offices. So having the right culture from the start just encourages the, the scale up. You, you don't run into the problems. I don't know if it encourages, but makes it easier, I believe. And the reason why it makes it easier, it's because from day zero, you're thinking about how to document and how to communicate decisions throughout your company. So there is no big or important decision that it's made on a walk to the cafe or a, or a decision-making process that happens on a secluded meeting room within a given office. Um, so this opens up the the opportunity to structure all your, communi- all your communications and decision-making processes online and so that it can be accessed by anyone anywhere. And so as you expand into new countries, new territories, new offices, it's easier for you to bring those people into the conversation, into the decision-making process, and into the documentation of whatever it is that you do. I honestly have never heard of a Kiwi campus or in the, for example, Kiwi campus before this episode. Um, I actually think it's really smart what they're doing and they're showing uh, other companies out there that it is possible to have a mix, sort of like a remote operations, but also an on the ground operations for what they have to do. And I also can't believe that they had a vigil for one of the robots that died or whatever you guys said. <laughs> I cannot believe they did that on campus. Well, you know how college students can be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And for our listeners out there, uh, we're wondering. Have you ever stumbled upon any unconventional remote jobs? You heard of anything weird lately that you never thought would be possible? Let us know your thoughts on social media. We'd love to hear it. I have to make the plug. And if you want to hire for weird remote jobs or non-weird remote jobs, let me know. Let's try Torre.co for that. That's (laughs) D-O-R-R-E dot C-O. Thank you for listening to our sixth episode. Join us next week. Um, as we will be talking about how do you manage your remote team? Oh, that's cool. How do you manage your remote team? Oh, that's a good topic. And we'll find out next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. A few last words. If you enjoyed that episode, please follow us on social media at Remoter Project and let us know what you think about the latest episode. We'd love for you to join us as we continue building the Remoter Library on our website, remoter.com. That's R-E-M-O-T-E-R dot com. If you want even more resources, sign up for our free founding and growing remotely online course. You can find that on our website or check the description for links. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, we're here to make work fulfilling, so I'd like to ask you, what part will you play in shaping the future of work?